<laughs> hey guys, this is Headbanger Thrasher. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast here in conjunction with the WZWA Network. I'm your host of the podcast, California and Fury. I'm excited. We have a professional here who, when he says he's going to be somewhere, he is there and he's here with us tonight. One half of the Headbangers, former WWF tag team and hardcore champion. He is the one and only Headbanger Thrasher. Thrasher, how are you, my friend? Wow, that's a great introduction. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Uh, you forgot NWA Tag Team Champion. Of course. We beat the course. Rock and Roll Express for that. We did. Huge, huge. Yeah, a it's lot of legendary. accolades for the, uh, and I would say the Headbangers are legendary in my books, and uh, we're very thrilled awesome. to have Thank you on the you. show. Um, Thank you. I, I wanted to start things off here, Thrasher. Um, I guess a, little, a bit more of a somber note. Uh, I feel like it's a topic that we should talk about straight up. Uh, obviously the last few days, uh, the wrestling world, uh, lost road warrior animal. Uh, and I know that you and, uh, Mosh would have spent some time with those guys. So I was just wondering your thoughts on this whole situation and, and how it's affected you. Um, it, it's, it's hard when you see a close friend, um, pass, um, so, so especially at such a young age, uh, you know, Joe was only 60, um, you know, saw him probably before the pandemic started and he was, he looked like he was in great shape. He looked healthy. He looked great. Um, it was very hard. They were very instrumental in, I guess, the headbangers becoming who we were, um, you know, because they, 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 they led the way for, for tag team wrestling, you know, with the rock and roll express and, and everybody before us, but, you know, they were the ones that, you know, them and demolition that everybody, you know, strive to, to be like, and, and wanted to, you know, uh, imitate, I, I would say out of all the other tag teams, it was, you know, those two, um, to hear his passing was just, it was a complete and utter shock, um, to say the least. But, um, especially cause Joe was, he was just such a, a kind, so much different than what you guys saw on TV type of person. He was a, a, a big giant teddy bear. He was, he was just great. He would sit there and listen to anybody and talk to everybody. He was just, he was just a really great guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge loss for, for his family, um, for the wrestling world, for everyone. Yeah. yeah well, was, thanks for loss. that, man. Really appreciate hearing your thoughts. Um, and yeah, for me and Jack, we you know, we're, we're sorry for your loss as well. So, uh, uh, you know, not a funny, you know, uh, headbanger LOD story. When they first came back in, in I want to say, 97, Yeah. Um, we were wrestling in the Manhattan Center. We were still part-time on our part-time contract, and we just came off the uh, a loop on the road. <clears throat> and we walk into the Manhattan Center, and we see LOD versus the headbangers. And we were like, holy <laughs> shit, we're dead. Oh, God. <laughs> um, it's just going to be a squash match. We're, we're dead in the water. But, um, you know, Hawk and Animal pulled us aside and he said, hey, listen, 
you know, um, usually when we come back, we, you know, we just kill people. He goes, uh, uh, you know, we spoke with Vince. Vince is very highly on you guys. He said that you're the, the future of the tag team division and everything else. And he wants us to have a back and forth match with uh, a double DQ or, or a count out or something like that. And, uh, you know, just hearing them, you know, reach out and tell us that and yeah, they didn't have to. They came back. They're LOD. Uh, you know, yeah. they're the road warriors. They're, they're 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 everything in tag team. But they took the time to, you know, as we call in the business, give us a rub, um, you know, give us a, a, a leg up and everything else. And it was just it was one of those moments that, you know, I'll never forget standing in the Manhattan Center, you know, talking to, to Joe and uh, and uh, Mike and, uh, you know, just you know, just beside myself going, holy shit, we're going to wrestle the road warriors and we're not going to get killed. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny because it came off on TV. I just, somebody just posted a clip of that, you know, unfortunately after Joe passed and uh, it, it just looked like it was a total uh, road warriors squash match because all of our offense was during the commercial break. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, and then it was funny too, because afterwards they were like, Hey, if you guys don't mind, you know, can we, after the, 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 the count out or the DQ or anything else, can we do, uh, you know, our finish to you? And neither one of us could get, I'll take it out of our mouth fast enough to do that. <laughs> because I mean, I, I don't know about anybody else, you know, but if you're in this business, you want to be one of the ones to say, yeah, I, I, I took LOD's finish. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just one of, it's just one of those legendary things that you just want. There's like Ric Flair in the figure four and you know, yeah. all that stuff. You want to take that. You want to take Hulk Hogan's leg drop. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Big you time. want to do all that. So I, I remember a story was, when um, Nexus were against uh, seven of the WWE guys and Bret Hart was one of the guys on team WWE and they were all arguing with each other who was going to be tapping out to the sharpshooter that night. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's just, you know, you, you grow up and you watch, you know, these finishes on TV and everything else. And you're like, Oh man, that's so, that's so cool. And then you, you have an opportunity to, to do that. And it's just like, you don't want to pass it up. I, I, I've done it before, so I was I was grateful enough to let Chaz do it. So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, and thank you for sharing that story. That's really cool. Um, I guess we we'll go back to what our usual format is when we uh, do these shows, and and essentially we ask everyone how you first became a wrestling fan. I it's funny because I was never a a wrestling fan. I was never. You know, this is going back in, I want to say the the, the late '80s, mid '80s. Um, so I wasn't a big like wrestling fan. Like I didn't follow it. I didn't watch it. You know, every week on TV and everything else. But um, I, I want to say I was more occasional. Um, we had a a TV station over here. It was called Prism TV, and once a month, uh, WWF worldwide wrestling federation would wrestle in the philadelphia downtown philadelphia at the philadelphia spectrum and it was on a cable station called prism so they would show it once a month and i would go over to my aunt's house because i didn't have that kind of cable um and and i would watch the shows once a month you know i went to maybe one like house show and it was um 
you know, at a local high school and Hogan was there and stuff like that. Um, but I think he was wrestling under the name of Terry Bola at the time. Um, so I'm going way back. Right. So I, I was always bigger on in football, uh, you know, from the time I was like maybe six or seven years old, I played Pop Warner football all the way up through high school. Um, and I wrestled my four years in high school because uh, my brother said I couldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. And then made a career out of it. So up your ass. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was weird because after I graduated, I got a postcard in the mail from this school called the Monster Factory. And it was offering free tryouts for all high school um, graduating athletes. Um, so I, you know, put it off to the side. I would call the number every now and then and just to find out what it was about. And this guy, pretty boy, Larry Sharp would answer the phone and he would go, get monster eyes. <laughs> and, I mean, I was so 170 loud. pounds out of high school. Um, so I would be like, oh, Scott, oh, and I'd hang up the phone. So, you know, that happened about three or four times. My dog. Um, that happened about three or four times. And then I finally, um, I went to a computer school in Center City, Philadelphia, and I got a computer degree. And I was 19 years old working nine at night to seven o'clock in the morning. And it yeah. sucked ass. I can tell. Um, so, <laughs> so what I did is it was sometime in June is my mom and my stepfather, we got in the car and we drove down there to... The, the school and it looked like a little tiny you, you know like like sub shop it was like a uh, a pizzeria kind of place and it was really small dingy and dark but i opened up those double doors and all i saw were these bright lights and you know all these cameras and and all these guys around and everything else i'm going oh my i was starstruck um so there was about nine of us down there and what Larry does is he puts you through it is what he calls the tryout. So he teaches you how to take bumps. You know, you do a standing back bump, you do a front flip into a bump, and then you do a handstand into uh, a back bump. And then you learn to run the ropes. But he doesn't teach you how to run the ropes the right way. Yes, there is a right way. Um, <laughs> so then he sits down with everybody and he goes over, um, you know, what they want to do and stuff like that. And, and everything. And here I'm sitting there, you know, I'm fresh out of high school. You know, I, I wrestled in high school at 170 pounds and then I played football at like 190. Um, so my metabolism was all messed up after I graduated and I could never really gain any weight. So, you know, we're talking back in the mid eighties when you had, you know, um, Hulk Hogan, you had big John stud, you had, you know, King Kong Bundy, you had all these guys, that were ginormous and here i'm 100 a buck 90 you know right. trying this wrestling thing out and everything else that i really didn't know that much about um so you know i uh, everybody does their tryout first guy goes in he comes out he goes he, he told me no i said what do you mean he told you no he goes he told me i didn't have what it took i said holy shit so this guy is actually you know saying yes or no if he thinks that you have the basic skills to do something in the business. So the next guy comes out, you know, the, the guy comes out and he's like, I had $3,000 in my hand. And he told me I didn't have enough athletic ability. I was like, holy shit. So I'm the next one in. <laughs> I walk in there and I said, listen, before you say anything, 
let me come back and try out when I can gain some weight and everything else. And then Larry sitting back in his chair, he has his big cigar. He's like, listen here, kid. It's a lot easier to teach you how to do all these flips and shit like that at 190 than it is at 210. I, in six months, I can make you somebody. What do you want to do? So right then and there, uh, my mom and my stepfather put down $1,500 and I get paid him $100 a week for 15 weeks until my school was paid off. So that was in June. In December, I was in Japan with Giant Baba and all these other guys because the Nasty Boys were hired by WWE or WWF at the time, and we took their spots. It was me and just another guy that they threw together because Larry was good friends with um, Dory Funk Sr., who was the booker for um, Japan at the time. And I went over there. I wrestled with Kamala, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, Stan Hansen, Danny Spivey, uh, uh-huh. Giant Baba. I mean, uh, the Fantastics were over there. It was just like, I'm brand new in the business. I'm greener than grass. And I'm over there just way out of my element. But, oh, my God, what a great lesson. <laughs> what a great thing. Especially because I made back all my money right there from uh, the wrestling <laughs> school. So I was just like, man, six months and I'm in Japan making, you know, $10,000 for, for a month. And Larry told me I was going to be somebody. So it, it was great. Um, you know, I after that, I came back from, from Japan and then really started training uh, at the school with Larry and stuff like that. And I eventually became the head trainer for the Monster awesome. Factory. And uh, I trained guys such as uh, D'Lo Brown. Um, I trained <laughs> Chaz. I had my hand in, um, you know, he doesn't want to admit it, but the big show, um, <laughs> Paul. When Paul first came down to the Monster Factory, he, he won't say that he trained there because he was only there maybe a month, month and a half. Um, he was sponsored by a sponsor. So somebody paid for him to go to wrestling school. Um, he was the most athletic big guy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He could stand on the apron and do a vertical jump and land inside the ring. He was so athletic. He was as tall as he is now, but he was maybe 380, 390. Yeah. And he was so athletic. And the story that I heard is that he was in the Boston Celtics farm team for basketball, but really didn't like basketball that much that he wanted to try wrestling. So that's how he came down to the, I guess his sponsor or something knew about the wrestling school and stuff like that. And that's how that happened. So, you know, I had a pretty good, you know, hand with, with training some guys and stuff like that, you know, reckless youth. I had a hand in, I don't know if anybody remembers him, but uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was such a, uh, a strange beginning because I was just like, you know, all I knew is I wanted some kind of, physicality in my life because I had it all the way up from the time I was seven. And I figured if I didn't find some way to, to channel that physicality that I needed, I'd end up in jail. (laughs) So (laughs) I figured this might be the best way to go about it. So, yeah, definitely. So what a, what a start in in the business there, Jack. Absolutely. How opening was the experience working in Japan as um, <clears throat> Frankie, fa- uh, Frankie favorite so early Frankie in your career? Favorite. And yeah, uh, what, what did you learn? Oh, sorry. What did you learn the most there as well? 
it was funny because, um, you know, Abdul and a bunch of, you know, God bless him. I love that guy. You know, everybody has their Abdullah stories. I have nothing but great stories about Abdullah. Um, He was such a kind man when I was over there. Um, You know, he kind of took me under his wing. I didn't know what sponsors were when, when I was over there and everything else. So, you know, I didn't know what Rapungi was or where it was or, or anything else. I didn't know what Rivera's Steakhouse was. I just knew guys had jackets uh, <laughs> yeah. from, from the steakhouse. Classic. Classic. So, I mean, you know, so it was, it was more of the fact of, you know, going from practicing every single night to actually doing it in front of tens and thousands of people that they would get at, you know, all over the place, you know, back then, you know, the, the, I think that I want to say this was 1991 uh, when this happened. Um, and it was just, just the crowds that they would get over there was, was a learning experience. Just being in the ring with the guys, you know, by the end of the tour, my tag team partner, Frankie or Johnny favorite got hurt. Um, so he wasn't able to work. So I was in main events with, it was me Stan Hansen and Danny Spivey against Giant or Kamala, Abdullah the Butcher, and one of the other top guys over there. And it was just just being able to work with Kamala, the original Kamala, and, you know, Abdullah and stuff like that was just, you know, it's just crazy. It was just beyond belief. And it was so funny, a funny Abby story. Um, One of the the nights we were working, he goes, hey, champ. He calls everybody champ. If you don't, if you know Abby, he calls everybody champ. Hey, champ. He goes, uh, tonight you get color. I went, get color. What are you talking about? Oh I said, uh, he goes, you go juice. I went, no, mind you, I'm six months into business. I have no idea what coloring is or getting juice. I thought I was going to go get the guy orange juice and oh, I was going to no. color in a coloring book for him. I had no idea. <laughs> so he's like, uh, no, I'm going to hit you in the head with this, uh, hammer. And then, uh, you know, you're going to, you know, gimmick. I'm going, how are you talking? Just spit it out, man. Speak English. So I'm looking at his forehead, and you can literally take a quarter and stick it in Abby's forehead, (laughs) side in some of these slots and stuff like that. I'm going, oh, yeah, I get Could you go, like, side to side? Well, we get in the match. He hits me with a hammer. I see the, the, the blade comes out. He cuts me. I'm bleeding. And I don't know if you guys can see it, but it is not side to side. Yeah. It's up and down. There we go. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my first experience with, with blood and everything else. Now, mind you, you know, in the, in the business, back then, kayfabe was huge. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was huge. You didn't talk about anything to anybody. So my mom, who paid for me to go through all this, um, one of my shows when I came back, you know, once I, it's so weird because once I bled the first time, it was, it's such, I don't know, it's, it's going to sound weird. It, it, it was an adrenaline rush that it was just like, oh my God. So I came back and I was wrestling under a mask and uh, as the spider and I'm wrestling in a high school that my great grandmother named. It was called Sterling High School and it was in uh, New Jersey. So my mom's in the front row and she's watching a match in one of the spots where I was chasing the guy around the ring and then, or I was chasing the manager around the ring and then he was going to jump up and hit me. So I'm chasing this manager around the ring and my mom jumps up and catches her and goes, here you go, honey, I got her. (laughs) (laughs) So she blew the whole spot. She had to sit back down. And then after that, 
she, I got color. I bled that night. And she was just beside herself. Oh, no. She was there, there's no way you're doing this ever again. <laughs> you know how mothers are. Yeah. So then I had to smarten her up and going, Mom, all that was supposed to happen. Well, you, you were bleeding. It was all over. <laughs> so then I had to go, no, I did that myself. What are you, stupid? <laughs> you know, all that stuff. So. You know, after a while, she she got she got the grips on it and everything else. But yeah, back then, you know, we were we were in so much in the kayfabe. We you know when we wrestled down in, in uh, USWA, you know, heels were on one side, the the faces were on the other. You didn't talk before matches. You didn't set things up. You called it in the ring. Nice to see like isn't that. it? Oh, Absolutely. So, it, but you know, I want to say that, that that I learned how to do that in japan because in now you re- remember you're wrestling foreign guys in japan yeah. mm. that really don't speak english so how are you running your spots you're, you're watching what they're doing and you're, you're you're coming off or you're telling the bilingual referee hey tell him to watch out for this <laughs> hey tell him to watch out for that and hopefully that ref understands what you're saying and gets gets it over to the other guy Wow. So, yeah, it was very <laughs> – it was definitely a uh, um, a crash course in, in the business. And it was – I want to say it was the best thing I ever did. Big time, Amazing. man. You're pretty much throwing all your eggs in one basket, sending yourself to a foreign country like Japan. To Absolutely. Rest, especially back in the 90s because, um, you know, it wasn't always going to be – not like today where, you know, if you – even get one contract anyway, you're essentially set for life in the wrestling business. Cause if you can get signed with any company, that's you good to go from what that's from my perspective. Anyway, I'm not. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> especially back then there, there was the two big, there was all Japan and new Japan pro wrestling back then. And yeah. then you had a bunch of little tiny, like smaller ones, but even like I went over a second time and I went over for a little smaller one where, um, Oh God, Pongo was, or, or um, I forget what his name, but he was brutal in like the hardcore matches and stuff like that. Oh, that's I went crazy. over there and I was, uh, I was in a tag team with Terry Funk. It awesome. was me oh, and Terry man. Funk. And, and uh, that was my last match ever in Japan because I dislocated not one elbow, but two elbows at the same time. Oh, shit. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I'll never forget Terry coming over to me and I'm, you know, laying on the ground and I'm like this. Oh, my elbows, and I'm trying to hold them up and everything else. And they're <laughs> extremely dislocated, and he's like, sell it, brother. They'll make it an angle. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget it. He came to the hospital with me and, and everything. He, he Terry is just a, he's a class act. He's a great guy. Terry Funk is awesome, man. I yeah. have just so much respect for him and his work, man. Um, tell us. Uh, see everybody. My kids are going, who are you talking to? <laughs> Shut up and do something. Do your homework. So you mentioned that um, you trained Mosh at the Monster Factory. Uh, was that the first time you yeah. met him as well? It was weird because it, he went to that school that my great-grandmom named Sterling High School. Yep. So, and he wrestled um, you know, when he was in high school. So we kind of knew of each other but didn't know each other. Like yep. he wrestled at a, at a much lighter weight than I was wrestling and stuff like that. So it was, it was just so weird when he came down to the school, he used to come to the Larry used to run uh, shows that were once a month. 
So yep. he would come down to the shows and watch the shows and everything else because he was a huge wrestling fan, huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, so he would come down and watch it, and he always you know, wanted to try it. I remember when he came down for a tryout and everything else, and it was from that tryout that it just clicked. It was like, you know, we knew each other forever. It was, it was very, very um, – I'm going to make breakfast when I'm done. Relax. <laughs> Jesus. So it was like we already knew each other from, you know, forever. So it was just a natural thing. It was so funny because Larry always tried to talk me out of being a tag team. And everything that he said made so much sense. And he goes, listen, he goes, you don't want to be a tag team. He goes, because the bookers, when they're booking matches, he goes, they have seven matches. So that's, you know, six matches that are single matches. So that's 12 people. And then there's one match back then that was a tag team. He goes, that's four people. He goes, so you're limiting your chance of exposure being a tag team other than a single wrestler. So this is, this is, I want to say this is 93 and, you know, I'm out on my own doing all this, you know, stuff by myself as the spider and stuff like that wrestling, you know, anywhere I could, but I just wanted to go out more, you know, Jerry Lawler used to come down to the shows at uh, the monster factory because Larry would always bring in a very top name. And, you know, back then, even today, you don't get a higher name than Jerry, the King Lawler. I mean, it, that's just, He's just at the very top, too. So he always told me, he's like, hey, listen, if you ever want to come down to Memphis and work for me at USWA, he goes, you always have an open invitation, um, which was awesome. But I was, again, new in the business, maybe three years, scared to death to go to a territory yeah. and work. I mean, we, we all know it was $40 a night. You know, you have to – it's five nights a week and stuff like that, maybe six. But, I mean, you didn't want to go down there by yourself. For one, you don't know anybody because you're so new in the business. And where do you stay? Where do you live? How do you – you know, it was much easier when we actually did go um, as a tag team. Chaz was maybe in the business five, four or five months before we showed up in USWA as uh, the Spiders and stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, it was just – it was just, I forget what the fucking question was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that Marsh. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was more, his, his training was, was very fast. It was very furious. Um, you know, at that time, I was still doing the jobs for Vince um, on uh, WWF TV. You know, every Saturday morning, I was one of the beat up guys. I was right there next to Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Scott was there with us and everything else. And everybody always told me, if, if you want to make it in the wrestling business, don't do those jobs. Well, those jobs got my foot in the door and got me to meet, you know, Jim Cornette. Got me to, yeah. you know, also get closer with Lawler. Got me to meet Vince. You know, Vince knew who me and Chaz were before we ever signed with, with, with Vince. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely a, a huge advantage going up and doing that so big time absolutely man. a lot of guys you know i don't know who gave you that advice uh, you said their name but uh you know scott taylor the, you know yeah there's so many people that when i watch old footage and i'm like oh shit like <laughs> that's well, it, david it, it, heath that's advice 
Right. It wasn't nobody's advice. It was like the people outside the business that didn't understand it. Oh, it was like course. the people I went to high school with going, ah, I saw you on TV and you got beat up. Ah. Yeah, they, were <laughs> right. they, didn't, they didn't say that at my 10 year reunion when I kept the reunion going for another year and paid for in cash and then left and said, fuck you guys. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yourself and um, Mosh make a few appearances for ACW back in the day. Uh, how was that experience and what was your interaction with Paul Heyman like? In, for ECW? Yes. Yeah. We, yeah, we did one show for them. Oh, it, was, it was very, yeah, we did one show. Yep. Um, and we wrestled against the Rotten Brothers, Axel oh. and Ian. Awesome. Um, so it was weird. We were like, we just got back from USWA. We wanted to keep going and everything else. And, and you know, of course, at that time, you know, uh, ECW was, was starting to catch some wind and everything else. So we wrestled a lot with Axel and Ian in USWA. So they're like, hey, let's, you know, come over to ECW. You know, I'll get Paul to give you a chance and everything else. But we were <clears throat> Monster Factory guys. I don't know if Paul and Larry ever had a beef. I don't know. I just know that, uh, you know, we had people in the, watch, in the back watching and, you know, it was overheard from other people. I don't know how true it is. You know, Paul's never given me any reason to believe anything other than this. We've always been, you know, very friendly, you know, very cordial. Um, so it got, it got back to us that when we were in the ring with the Rotten Brothers, he goes, watch what I do with these two assholes. So it, it got back to us. And that was our, our first and last show with us. Uh, for ECW, um, we were scheduled to work with them again. Um, you know, we were going to wrestle with the Pitbulls. Um, and Chaz had some abscess cyst on his back where it was so big and it was on his tailbone, which he had to get it surgically removed. And it was at the same time that we were supposed to go back. So we didn't, we caught off of, <clears throat> of that second show with the pit bulls and stuff like that. And we just never heard back from them or anything else. So what I want to reiterate, I don't want this going out the wrong way. We heard that's what Paul said. Nobody, you know, he's never given me any reason to think that he, he did, didn't like us or anything else. That's just what people said. You know, yeah, right. there's a lot of things that are said in this business that are misconstrued or, or, or taking the wrong way or anything else. But, you know, when we went up and, um, you know, whenever we saw Paul, when they, when they were doing the invasion, you know, ECW versus WWF and everything else, he was always great. I, I've never, ever had a problem with Paul. Um, I think he's probably one of the most brilliant minds in this business. We just, I, we just didn't fit at the time with ECW. I think the headbanger gimmick would have been over huge yeah. in ECW because of the contrast and, and, you know, ECW kind of stood for the same thing that, you know, they didn't care, you know, what anybody else said, either did we, we, we just didn't care. I still don't. Yep. So. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask next about um, you guys heading over to Smoky Mountain in 1995. And if you have any fun Jim Cornette stories. Oh my God. I got too many Jim Cornette stories. <laughs> it's funny because again, like Jerry Lawler, Cornette used to come up and he used to manage Chris Candido and for Larry at, at 
every month he would come up every month, you know, um, you know, Jerry would come up and stuff like that. So I was very, very close with Cornette. And once we got our run done in Smoky Mountain, and then after Smoky Mountain, we went over to Ozark Mountain Wrestling, which was with Burt Prentice. Once we finished up with Burt, we pretty much, I reached out and called Cornette. And I said, hey, listen, you know, uh, we're, we're available and stuff like that and, and everything else. He's like, listen, guys, I love your work. He goes, but I hate the hoods. Right, yeah. So we were wrestling under the hoods called the, the head or the, the, the spiders at the time. Yeah. And he goes, let me come up with a gimmick and see what we can do. So yeah. then he calls us up. I, I don't know, a week, two weeks later, he goes, I got it. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh because he goes, I got it. I know this guy. I went to this concert. I went to a dancing concert because I know Glenn dancing. And these guys were mosh pitting all over the place. They were spitting on each other. They had tattoos. They had ear piercings and everything else. <clears throat> and he goes, and the first thing I thought about was you guys, because we had the tattoos. We had the ear piercings. We listened to Marilyn Manson. We listened to the heavy metal and stuff like that. He goes, I'm going to call you guys the headbangers, Mosh and Slasher. <laughs> so we go down and we meet with Cornette. And I'm like, all right, Mosh and Slasher. And I said to Jimmy, I said, you know, there's a guy in a band called Slash, right? He's like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> he goes, so we'll change your name. I don't know. Uh, Slasher, Thrasher. Well, Mosh and Thrasher. So Jim Cornette came up with the name. So at the time, we were wrestling in like cargo shorts or, or, or shorts like that, um, that style with sneakers. And <clears throat> we had the, the, our hair back then. Um, and we had the heavy metal t-shirts. So then we're watching MTV. Cornette comes up to us first and he goes, Hey, he goes, you guys need to like wear some skirts and wedding gowns and stuff like that. And I went, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, I am not wearing a wedding dress. I'm not wearing a skirt. I said, Cornette, I said, Jimmy, that's where I draw the line. He's like, listen, he goes, you guys will get tremendous amount of heat down here in the Bible belt. If you guys wear skirts. And I'm like, nah, Jimmy, I don't think that I, I'm not with that. No. <clears throat> so we're watching MTV at the time and MTV. Yes. Kids at one time used to play music videos. Oh, wow. That's why it <laughs> says MTV. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're sitting there watching MTV and we see Axl Rose out on stage wearing a kilt. Yeah. Me and Chaz looked at each other and we went, wow, that looked pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so yeah. we go to the closest thrift shop, army surplus store, Salvation Army, whatever we could find. And we're walking through the aisles and here we are. He's 6'2", I'm 6'4", you know, and we're trying on skirts and going, hey, does this look right? Hey, does this? And all these people in the store are going, what the fuck are wrong with these two guys? That would have made a great vignette. <laughs> it, it would have. So we eventually tried it and sure enough, it got us so much heat, so much hatred from the, the, the fans down there. It was just unbelievable. So we ran with it. And mind you, it was the most comfortable thing I've ever wrestled in in my life. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, so we stuck with the, the, the skirts and everything else. And that's how the whole headbanger thing came to be. Um, Cornette, my whole thing was Cornette. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, with Cornette, with people not liking him, saying all this stuff about him and everything else. 
My thing is with Jimmy, if you don't want to know the answer, don't fucking ask Jim Cornette the question because he's going to tell you how he feels a hundred percent, whether it's right or wrong. Jimmy's going to tell you how he sees it and how he feels about it. Jimmy is very, very old school. He believes in kayfabe. He believes it in kayfabe to the day. He can't stand the fact that it's called sports entertainment. Can't stand it. And I know he can't. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't have anything bad to say about Jimmy. If it wasn't for Jimmy, we probably would have never came up with the headbangers. We probably, you know, they wouldn't have existed. We probably would have been something else. Yeah. But we owe a lot to Jimmy and, and, uh, and forever grateful for everything that he's done. I, you know, Jimmy's uh, still to this day a very close friend. Um, you know, I would have no problem reaching out to him and calling him or anything else like that. I, I love Jimmy Cornette, so – Cool, man. Um, I, I'm guessing maybe uh, what you guys are doing is the headbangers there in Smoky Mountain might have led to you guys getting a call from New York. It, it uh, did. It, and, very uh, much so, so. Please take us through like the, that moment uh, of getting the call and I guess maybe you would have had a meeting or something like that. How did that all go? So, so it was weird. It was, it was uh, quite different that, than that whole thing. Well, we did get a call. So what happened was the Smoky Mountain um, – was going out of business at the time. Right. It was, you know, down to the last couple of months and stuff like that. I think an investor pulled out and Jimmy couldn't run it all by himself. So what he did is he took several of his guys and he introduced them to Vince. He goes, Hey, I got this guy. I got this guy. I got, you know, Al Snow. I got this guy called Unibomb who oh, came to be Kane. Kane. And yeah. but first he was Dr. Isaac Yankum, uh, he was a fake diesel. He was all that stuff. So, you know, Cornette put us in the eyes of, of Vince. And so what Jimmy told us, he goes, hey, I approached Vince, told him about you guys. He guys remembered you guys from coming up and doing the jobs. And, you know, Cornette called us on the phone and said this. And he said, you guys don't even need to try out or anything else like that. He goes, he's going to sign you guys to part-time contracts. So at this time, I want to say it was early 1996, maybe late 95. Um, we went up there, signed part-time contracts. What they were is they were exclusive just for TV. They were TV contracts. They were going up there. Vince wanted to get away from the jobbers and the squash matches and everything else and have more competitive matches on TV. Yeah. So that's what we were brought in for. J- Freddie Joe Floyd, T.L. Hopper, uh, Salvatore Sincere, all came from that whole bundle. Um, of course. It, we, we, it's funny because we used to tease Tracy Smothers because he was uh, Freddie Joe Floyd. <laughs> and it, Floyd yeah. it, was, it was so close to, to Tracy Smothers, really. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so that, that's how that happened. We went up and we did – we did one squash match. Um, we went up. We used to live in South Jersey, and it was maybe two and a half hours, three hours from Titan Tower. So whenever we had time, we were always up in the tower. I mean, we were up there so much, they gave us our own scan card to, to get into the gate and stuff like that. Right. Um, we were always up there doing something and, and everything else, you know, messing with Vince. You know, 
Vince, I mean, see, you guys won't, don't see Vince like this, but he is, he's a prankster. He likes the pranks. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, he, if he's so much like that now, but back then, oh yeah, he was, he was a big ribber. Um, he would like it. He would like getting ribbed. He would like giving out the ribs and stuff like that. So we used to go into his office and rearrange his desk, <laughs> rearrange the furniture in there. Um, it was funny because one time that, you know, we used to, we were very friendly with his secretary. She was a sweet girl. Um, I think her name was Beth. She was an older lady. Mm. Um, I think that's what her name. I'm not, I don't no, I really think you're remember. right. That rings a bell. But uh, that was his uh, secretary at the time. And we would always go in. But anyway, she had a big giant thing of flowers on her desk one day. And I went, who are they for? She goes, they're for Vince. No. So I opened up the card and it says, um, to Vince, thanks for all the, the, the hundred shows. Or it was something about Monday Night Raw. And it was from USA Network. So, of course, me and Chaz being who we are, we you know, just cross out USA Network and put the headbangers. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and we just left it. And, you know, we did all that stuff. And, and I think that's what got us on the Shotgun Saturday Night to shows. Um, because those shows were supposed to be generated from nightclubs. Yeah. Um, I want to believe that show was, was intentionally made for us and our crowd that we were, we, we caught wind of, um, and everything else. Cause it was in the nightclubs. It was crazy. It was, it was just nuts all the time. Um, so I think that's how shotgun Saturday night originated, like was through us and, and the gimmick and everything else. Um, so, and then I guess you guys are going to want to break into the flying nuns. Oh, wait, that was actually my next question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, it was... <laughs> it's almost like I've done this before, right? You've done it, man. <laughs> so, what, um, what was the idea behind the team and what, what did you think of it? So, it, you know what? It, it, it's funny. Yeah. Vince comes up to you with an idea and it's his idea. And oh, you're like, God. Vince, I don't care how stupid the idea is. It's your idea. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he approached us. It was, um, you know, right before they started doing the shotgun Saturday night and says, Hey, I got this idea. He goes, do you guys remember Sally Fields? Neither one of you will know who Sally Fields uh, is or remember the TV show, the flying nun. No. But anyway, it's this, see, both I, I, I know her somebody, name, but that, uh, that's about somebody me. is Googling it right now. I, I'm too young. <laughs> Somebody's Googling it right now. So there was a TV show called The Flying Nun. So what she would do is it was just a show. She had the, the nun hat, but it was really big. It looked like an airplane on her head. Um, the <laughs> okay, yeah, or, or I'm, I'm Googling it now. I can see it. <laughs> so, see it? So you yeah. see what I'm talking about. So he goes, I think it would be hysterical to mix the headbangers in with these, this group called The Flying Nuns. Oh, God. He goes, so what we want to do is we want to bring you guys out and everything else still with the, 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 the beers and the earrings and stuff like that and still wrestle the same way you guys do as the headbangers. But I want to do this on this new show called Shotgun Saturday Night. So we were the very first match on Shotgun Saturday Night against the right. Godfathers. That's when That's the, 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 the Sisters of Love came to be with Brother Love. Yeah. How appropriate. Um, it's funny because we just did a virtual uh, autograph signing and people were coming up asking us to sign the, the, the encyclopedia of the Sisters of Love. And I looked over at Chad and I said, do you remember which one you were? And uh, <laughs> neither one of us can remember, but I think I was Mother, Mother Schmucker 
and he was Sister Angelica. <laughs> so, um, so that's how it came to be. And Vince is like the 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 the, the final outcome of this whole thing is going to be the cameras are going to finally start looking up and seeing that you guys are very similar looking to the headbangers. And what I want to portray is you guys don't care what you wear. You just want to fight. And we were like, Vince, that's a great idea. Whatever you want us to do, we didn't care. We were doing vignettes in New York city in front of the biggest Catholic church up there. And uh, we're in a, a limo <laughs> Vince is in another one. So he told us, he goes, go up, up to the doors. He goes, act like you're praying. He goes, we're going to take a shot of you and everything else. None of us knew that as we're filming this, dong, dong, the goddamn church. Let, oh, God. I said goddamn and church at the same time. The church, <laughs> I'm going straight to hell. Um, <laughs> the, the, the bongs go off. The church goes off. The doors open up. People come out, they see these two guys in nun outfits with the big giant hats on that look like airplanes. This one little old lady, God bless her, she comes over to us and starts praying because we're standing there praying with our heads down and stuff like that. That was the vignette. And she comes over and she's praying with us and everything else. And she's much shorter than we are. She pans up and she sees our chest. Then she sees the goatee. Then she sees the earrings and she starts beating the living crap out of us with her purse. <laughs> yes. This is in the limo. He goes, I got enough. Come back in the limo. Amazing. So that all ended because Vince was getting uh, a, a lot of, uh, I guess, flack from the, the, the community, the church community and the Catholic churches and stuff like that. So he finally just, he just said, you know what, we'll just end it and, go back to the headbangers it was fun while it lasted (laughs) um chaz one year for halloween was a pregnant nun so you know it worked out well he had he had had a halloween costume out of it um so yeah that's how that started um who did you guys (laughs) so stupid who did you guys become friends with uh first in the wwf um it was weird because we knew everybody before we were, we were even signs from doing yeah, jobs right. and everything else like that. Yeah, that's so, right, yeah. um, you know, it, it was funny because, um, you know, Billy and Bart, um, were up there when they were just smoking guns and I was there when they had their tryout. Um, I remember them waiting in the, in the, next to the, the, the chalkboard and everything else waiting for them to go out for their tryout. So, I mean, we were friends and we knew, everybody beforehand but it was so weird back then it was such a this is the vibe i got i don't know if everybody else felt this way it was so family you know uh, you know owen and davy boy and brad and sean and you know just taker Uh, i mean I, i was one of the first guys in undertaker's body bag way back in the day um you know i i knew them from before so they welcomed us into the family. It, it was almost like that. You know, there was times where I would bring my older two kids. Um, you know, at the time they were, you know, I want to say four and two at the time, whenever we wrestled, you know, in Philly. Um, Owen would be in the in the cafeteria coloring with them. You know, China would be out in the in the in the arena playing hide and seek with with the girls and stuff like that. It was very, you know, 
as you saw in Brett's, you know, documentary, you know, yeah. he tells his, his kids, oh, go find the headbangers, go play with the headbangers. That's <laughs> yeah. how it was. I mean, it was very family oriented. We knew we weren't main event. We knew we were opening match or mid card match. That's what we, that's what we were. That's what tag teams were back then and everything else. Um, if you weren't LOD or, <clears throat> you know, people like that. So we knew where our place was. Um, you know, we had hung around with uh, Shamrock a lot. You know, Billy, um, I want to say um, Bob Holly, Goldust, we were with a lot. Um, Dustin, um, you know, we hung around with everybody. We, we, we traveled together, me and Chaz. Uh, sometimes we traveled with um, Ken uh, Shamrock. Sometimes we traveled with Owen. Um, there was a time that it was funny. We left, uh, we left uh, uh, a town in Texas and Owen comes up to us. He goes, you guys going to the hotel? I said, yeah, of course we're going to the hotel. Um, so he gets in the car with us, gets to the hotel. All the rooms are sold out. <clears throat> Here's Owen Hart, European champion, tag team champion. He's carrying around all them damn slammies and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have a hotel room. <clears throat> so we said, Owen, come, you can stay in our room. I'll sleep on the floor and everything else. So Owen goes, okay, great. So he comes up, he goes, uh, I'll sleep on the floor, but I just need blankets. So he makes like a pallet in the corner with the blankets and everything else. Um, so we go to bed next morning, we wake up, he's, he's taking a shower. And Owen was funny. Owen was, <laughs> was every story that you've ever heard about Owen is 100% true. <laughs> You'll never find a, a bad story about Owen because it, it wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so he knew that we were so new in WWF at the time. Of course, he's taking the shower. He has out the, you know, on the dresser, he has his European title out. He has the tag team belt out. He has it all like staged, like set up, <laughs> like, 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 haha, look at these and everything else. So we're looking at each other and we're going, should we touch them? Yeah. I'm going, nah, we should. Chad's like, <laughs> we should touch them. We should. And we should. We so should. eventually, so eventually we pick them up and we're jumping up, up down on the bed. Like we just won them. We're jumping around. Going, Woo! And then all of a sudden we hear the shower kick off and then we're like, Holy shit. So we put the belts back and everything else. And he comes out and we're just like sitting on the beds and everything else. He looks down at the belts. He looks at us. He looks down at the belts. He goes, did you guys touch my belts? <laughs> no. Oh, and we would never do that. No. He's like, you guys touched my belts, didn't you? We're like, maybe. He's like, well, I left them out for a reason. That's why I left them out so you could two dumbasses could jump around on the bed and act like idiots. <laughs> so it was, it was funny. It, you know, he knew that we were in awe of Owen Hart because you know who wasn't at that time in awe of Owen. Um, so that's what. So that's my, and then you know. Before that, he would uh, padlock our bags together and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he pulled pranks. But it, it, was, it was so funny because, you know, he w was always waiting for a reaction. That's why he would, he would prank people because he waited for a reaction. And we didn't sell it. So if, once you didn't sell it, he left you alone. Um, and we were like, oh, and the, we're going to the same hotel. We drive together. You could have picked, like, our bag in like Bradshaw or somebody like that that we were <laughs> yeah. driving with. Oh, and this wasn't that funny. So <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's our own story. And, uh, 
But yeah. Oh man. So I mean, we were close with everybody. I don't need, you know, we weren't in like any kind of like, like group or anything else like that, that, you know, we're like that. We were just with everywhere. Just the boys. <clears throat> so, uh, September 7, 1997, uh, a big date for the Headbangers. Uh, you guys captured the WWF World Tag Titles at Ground Zero in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. How was that moment for you both? And uh, try to take us through how you found out you were going to win them. It was actually surreal because oh, we got to oh, the because we we used to be we used to wrestle in Louisville Gardens for Cornette and mm. for for um, for Lawler. Um, we would run Louisville Gardens. I, I believe it was every Tuesday because we would do Monday in Memphis and then Tuesday or Wednesday we would do uh, Louisville Gardens. So it was it was home for us. We knew you know, all about the thing. But anyway, we walk into the building and Cornette, you know, is waiting for us. And he's like, you two come here now. He takes us all the way downstairs into the parking garage, standing next to trash cans. And he goes, I, I need to talk to you too. We're like, holy shit, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> they finally saw us. Right, thank God there was no social media back then. But, um, so we're, we're walking down there and we're like, Oh my God, we're in trouble. We're like, Jimmy, what do we do? He goes, no, come down here, come down here. So we get all the way down there. He goes, guys, he goes, we weren't even in the match before the pay. We weren't even on the pay-per-view before that day. He goes, um, you guys are in the pay-per-view. He goes, you're in a fatal four way for the tag belts with Owen and Davey. And I think it was, um, the goblins, the blackjacks, the Godwins and uh, um, LOD. LOD, yeah, huge, and, and yeah, and us. And he goes, um, and you guys are winning the tag belts. Fuck. So now, mind you, we're in a parking garage next to a fucking dumpster. And <laughs> I look at Chaz. He looks at me. We're like, okay, cool. Cornette looks at us. He goes, guys, I just told you you're winning the WWF. <laughs> Tag team belts. I brought you down here so you two fucking idiots can jump around and act like a child before you do that in front of all the boys. He goes, so I brought you down there for that reason. So as soon as he gave us the go-ahead, we were freaking crazy. I was on the phone calling my mom going, hey, make sure you watch the pay-per-view. I can't tell you what's going to happen, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. <coughs> so it was just it, – it, oh. It's like, it, you know, if you guys ever met somebody that played in the Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl or anything else like that, it was the Super Bowl of of wrestling. You know, winning that, the, the tag belts, yes, it was something that was given to us. But it, to us, it felt like Vince felt so highly of us yeah. to let us have that. So the belts are a prop. For anybody to, to think that they earn it or anything else like that is just ridiculous. It's a prop to help elevate you, your your marketing stuff, all your shirts, your, your all your stuff like that. I agree, because 100%. They feel that they can make a, a a lot more money from you guys showcasing you than anything else. So, I want to say that's why we also lost them the next month is because they saw that we didn't need props or stuff like that, and were able to still, you know, sell as much merchandise as we did. So yeah. that's how it came to be is Cornette taking us down in the basement and telling us that, and it was just so 
it was just so surreal for the guy that, that created the headbangers <coughs> that got us into or helped us get into the WWL, the WWF, um, tell us that we were winning the tag belts. It was, it was the right person, the right time, the right moment. And yeah. it, was, it was something special between us three. That's why I have such a, a, a fond place for, for Jimmy. Um, because he thought that much of us that he wanted to tell us, you know, he wanted yeah. to be the one to say, Hey, you guys are my boys. This is what I want to, I, I want to do this for you guys. So yeah. I thought it, it was, it was a surreal moment. It's, it's so hard. I'm asked it all the time. What's it like? And stuff like that between that and winning at WrestleMania and stuff like that. You can't, I can't really explain the feeling or anything else other than it's like winning the biggest game, the biggest thing of your life. Um, it, it just, it takes it to a different level that you're thought of that much. So yeah. it was a great honor. It really was. Um, so I wish it would have been longer. I wish we had another run, but yeah. you know, I, I guess they didn't feel like we needed that. I so, so how did you two um, celebrate after the show? It was funny because it, it, my oldest daughter, it was one of the trips that she had to come with me with. And she had to be four years old, I yeah. want to say. So she was backstage watching and everything else. She didn't understand it. She thought daddy was Stone Cold Steve Austin because she would walk up to him and start having to talk to him. And, you know, I guess all ball guys from the back look the same. I don't think so. But, um, yeah, so um, we went back to the hotel, and it was it, it was a normal headbanger night. It was long. Um, mine wasn't as long as his. Um, we were very much the, the guys that went out and partied and, and, and did all that stuff. You know, the headbanger lifestyle, I mean, that gimmick was us. It, it wasn't, you know, you, you know, it wasn't a, a made up thing. You know, some of the best gimmicks are the ones that are very similar to your personality. Yeah. Um, that's how we were. Um, yeah. We were out four or five o'clock in the morning. Other guys would be getting up and going to the gym and we would just be dragging our, our butts home into the <laughs> hotel from, uh, you know, all night drinking and stuff like that. So, um, his was much more more than mine because I had my you know four year old daughter with me. But the best part was, was I guess celebrating it with her. You know she was picking it up and jumping up on the bed, and I was like, oh my god, I did that with Owen's belt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, awesome. and, now, and now that belt is mine, and now it's mine. So yeah, it was uh, something else. That's amazing. <laughs> the whole crowd, the whole crowd thing that we did afterwards. That was all spur of the moment. We jumped around. And we Vince is like, I want you guys to celebrate as much as you want. I don't care what you guys do or anything else. So we were jumping around. We were in with the fans and everything else. And then they did a, a pre-tape of how we kept celebrating afterwards at the hot dogs stand. You guys, you remember seeing that video? <laughs> yeah. And we were throwing hot dogs out to everybody and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was real. Um, yeah, we just – it was it was fun. I mean – and that's that's what it was about back then. It was it was entertaining. It was fun. It was, you know, these guys are really crazy like that and everything else. And that's how we really were. I mean, we were that way. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of partying, going out till four or five in the morning. Do you have any stories of Shane McMahon? 
because uh, I've heard he was a big partier with uh, some of the boys back in the day. Um, we, we never really went out with like office people because that'll get you in trouble. Yeah, um, true. So, Especially Shane um, as well, so, being the boss's son. Exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was funny because we were we were really close with Shane. When we used to go up to Titan Towers, we would always go see Shane and everything else because you guys don't won't know this. Shane was a huge Marilyn Manson fan. He actually really? had really? the Marilyn Manson biography, Marilyn Manson's first book, he actually had in his office. Wow. Um, and he awesome. actually said that he read it and everything else. He was a huge um, I don't know if he was a huge Marilyn Manson fan, but yeah, he had his autobiography in his office in Titan Towers. I'll never forget seeing it going, Shane. He's like, yeah, I, I love that stuff. Oh, cool, so yeah, man. we never That's really awesome. partied with anybody from the office, but it wasn't like when we were going from town to town that we would pass like Vince and, you know, Pat Patterson and all those guys in the car and we would have beer cans all on the dashboard and everything else. And they would drive by and they would just be like looking in the window going like that. <laughs> and then they would like drop back and then they would pass us again. And Vince would be driving and you'd see him like, like act like he was sleeping but he was steering from like the bottom down here and everything else. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was just, it was just, it was such a different time. Oh, man, like when we went back in 2016, it was such a different time than it was in the attitude era. It's very, very much more business oriented now um, than it was before. You know, the boys in the locker room, we ran the locker rooms, uh, you know, we played, you know, video games, we played cards, we played dominoes. We, we were together. We were always together. We were going to the gym together. We were traveling together. Um, when we went back in 2016, it just felt very more business-oriented than, than before. Right. Yeah, not as, not as fun, not as... Uh... Well, I don't want to say not as fun, but it, it, it was definitely a, a dip, different atmosphere. Yeah, right. it was definitely. I mean, I understand what what um, what Triple H is trying to get and, and everything else. He wants everybody to treat it like a business because it is a business. Yeah, it's yeah. a very lucrative business at, at that. So, I mean, I understand where he's coming from with that and and everything else. But I mean, it's still, you know, you're on the road 280, 300 days a year. And, you know, it's long. It's it's grueling that schedule. You know, it's not like football. We don't have an off season. Um, so there was times that, that, that I was gone 280 days a year, you know, back yeah. when we were on the road and stuff like that. You get home Wednesday morning, you'd be back out Thursday night, Thursday or Friday morning. Yeah. You were home to uh, uh, a day and a half. You had enough time to watch your stuff and go. Or if you yeah. were like Vader, throw it into the back of your truck and forget about <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, the next question I want to ask you about was working with the oddities and the insane clown posse. It was funny because um, I just watched the video of the Insane Clown Posse. They were supposed to be with us. Um, oh. The whole gimmick behind everything was they were going to come in, they were going to be with the oddities, then they were going to turn their back on the oddities and come with us and we were going to be heels. And um, they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until Vince finally had enough and said, no, I'm done. So that's yeah. where the, 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 the came out where we actually wrestled them in a match and, and beat the living shit out of them. Yeah. Um, I think that was their, the last sighting of them. Right. Um, working with the oddities, it was great. Um, you know, who wouldn't want to work with George the Animal Steel and, you know, Earthquake? Yeah. And, and, you know, John was just 
he was so great. He was such, he was another one. He was a gentle giant. Um, it, it was, it was harder to work with the bigger guys. Um, I mean, what, what could, they were so much bigger than us. Yeah, that was, yes. It was almost like it was cheating. Um, you know, but it was fun. It was, it was something that it was entertaining. Um, you know, that was the birth of the, the um, tag teams of the unit, the, the WWE the tag, tag team champions, champions of, the of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. Back to, to, to the flying nuns. They are the only undefeated tag team in the world. In the history of wrestling. Really? <laughs> Flying nuns. There you go. You get out of here first, everyone. <laughs> they were one and done. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we, it's funny because at, um, at WrestlingTees.com, we actually have a, a T-shirt that says Flying Nuns still undefeated after all these years or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Awesome. Um, so, oh, yeah, I mean, working with them, it, it was great. Um, it, it was fairly, you know, easy. Um, to work with them, you know, it was great, you know, working with George and like I said, earthquake and stuff like that. Um, I wish, you know, we could have seen the end uh, of the whole, the, the whole storyline where the, the, the ICP would have came with us and stuff yeah. like that and, and everything. But, you know, it is what it is. It, uh, I'd love so. to see those guys trying to pile into a rental car Earthquake, Kurgan, Giant Silver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Do they even have cars big enough that can fit all of them in? Yeah, they were probably get like five separate rental cars. It's called a, yeah, it's called a flatbed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's funny. Years later, uh, you know, after I left left wrestling, and I left wrestling. When I mean I left wrestling, I left wrestling. I didn't get back into wrestling until about I want to say two thousand and ten. Um, so when I left in, in 2000, 2001, I was out of it for nine, 10 years. I ballooned up to 315 pounds. I didn't, I was pretty much unrecognizable, uh, um, as even an athlete. Um, so when, when I moved down to Florida, I got back into shape. Me and Chaz got back together and stuff like that. And every, cause he lived in Florida. I was down here for vacation. Long story short, we got back together. I moved my family down here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was weird. Cause we got a phone call from ICP. They have their own wrestling federation. Yeah. yeah. So you guys know about that. So Probably we get a call. JCW. Yeah. yeah. JCW. Yes. And they do a thing called the gathering every year. Gathering of juggalos. And where yeah. they hold week-long wrestling events. So, I don't know. We got a phone call from them. And lo and behold, they want us to come out. And me and Chaz are going, holy shit, here's the receipt for that match. Here it comes right now. So, we did. So we asked for an astronomical price. And they gave it to us. And we went out there for five days. And they were so appreciative of that match because after that match they they were with WCW yeah right after that yeah <clears throat> they were so appreciative they said they learned so much from their time you know with us and everything else and this was their way of giving back to us so they wanted to show how much they appreciated what we did for them so it was totally the opposite of what we thought because we thought they were just gonna you know give us a receipt and kick the shit out of us for five days and stuff like that. But, you know, in the business, you take it. You take the good with the bad. 
But it was a crazy event. The Gathering of Juggalos is oh, man. is no joke. Yeah, I've seen I've a documentary about it. <laughs> it, it yeah, I want to go it's, one day. It's, it's no joke. Oh, what happened? I lost oh, people. There you oh, go. there you are. Oh. Um, yeah, it's no joke. If you go, I mean, you'll have a great time. I've heard it's insane, Just, no pun intended. Yeah, it is. It very much is. I, you know, we were at the, the one time where uh, one of the juggalos got caught stealing from another juggalo, and you don't oh. do that. They police themselves. They tipped over his car and set it a fire. Oh, shit. Good on him. So, yeah, he had no way home. Says <laughs> so him right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, over to you, Jack. I've got to go sort out my cat. He's uh, he looks like he wants some food. Yeah, no dramas. Uh, what was it like working with the Rock and Roll Express and uh, beating them for the NWA tag team titles? Um, that was that was again. It was another, another surreal moment. It was uh, you know because when we first got to Smoky Mountain, that's what Jim Cornette said. He goes, "Here, watch some videos on the Rock and Roll Express. Come up with some different stuff and everything else." So that's where we came up with a lot of stuff. The the stage dive, which is the best tag team finisher in the business today, is better than the Doomsday Advice. It's better than 3D. It's better than everything. Why? Because of the timing behind the stage dive. He does a power bomb. I do a leg drop off the top. We come down together. Time that. Ex Delo, how long it took us to 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 perfect that. I sat on Delo's face a lot. He was the first one to ever take the, the stage dive. And he took um, a lot of them, I'm guessing? He took a lot of, yes. Oh, yeah. Until we got it down, <laughs> yeah. So, that it, to, in my eyes, and, and I will dispute it with everybody until I'm blue in the face, that that is the best tag team finisher of all time because there's no tag team finisher that has the timing that the stage size has. Um, but anyway, back to the Rock and Roll Express. That's what Cornette did. He said, watch these tapes, watch Ricky and Robert, see what they do and everything else. And then when we got to meet them in Smoky Mountain and work with them and stuff like that, um, it was, it was just, it was, it was a moment of, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm in the ring with these guys. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit, it was more different for Chaz because Chaz actually met Ricky Morton in Disney world when he was like 14 oh. and got his autograph and a picture taken with him. And he actually took that with him and showed Ricky it and went, oh, my God, I can't believe that was you, you skinny little twit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was definitely, you know, and working with them, it, it, it taught you so much. Just being in the ring with, with guys like, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and um, LOD and even, you know, Brad – or not Bradshaw, uh, Brad Armstrong down in Smoky Mountain and stuff like that. Just being in the ring with them, you learned – so much, so fast. It was such I, I I'm so blessed that I was able to 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 do that in Smoky Mountain and had the opportunity. Oh man, it was Did you hear awesome. that again, Jack? Because another person on this show has name dropped Brad Armstrong again. Again. Almost every episode someone has mentioned how great Brad Armstrong you know, is. I'm I'm Brad, Ar- Brad Armstrong was so he was probably the most you know, fluent, most unbelievable worker I, I, I've ever worked with. I mean, he was just so – he was a machine. I mean, he, his stuff was so good. It looked so 
believable. He was just, he was just a, an unbelievable technician. I mean, that whole family is. I mean, you know, yeah. Jesse's the same way. Jesse's so good. Jesse's more more outlandish, more charismatic, or what is it? Charismatic. Than, than charismatic. Most That's it. Charismatic, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, than the most of them. And Brad was just, he was just unbelievable. Yeah, dude. I've heard, like, in so many podcasts recently, just – Brad Armstrong, Brad Armstrong getting his name dropped all the time by so many yeah. different wrestlers just putting him over, just saying how good he was. And uh, it's a true testament, man, because I don't think they make wrestlers quite like him anymore, man. No, I mean, I don't think so either. And I think Brad was, was um, tremendously underrated. And, Big time. You, know, you know, I don't think WCW ever used him to his you know, potential. Never. Um, and it was funny because I kind of feel responsible for act. What, what, what was his name when he was the spider gimmick down there? Uh, Arachna Man. Uh, no, uh, Brad was Arachna Man. <laughs> I have no, no idea. Wow. Let, let me Google this. Google, Google that. This. Google Brad Armstrong Arachna Man. You've watched uh, all, all that WCW over the years, Carl. You should know. Uh, was, well, he was in a, a blue and yellow outfit. He was completely covered. Yeah, he was, right a, he was a Arachna Man who bore a, uh, a, such a strong resemblance to Spider-Man that Marvel How Comics about that? Uh, complained about. Or it. another wrestler called The Spider. That was you. That was me. Ooh. And you know how... Well, I wasn't, I wasn't the original. I wasn't the original. Here, here's a little knowledge for you. When I first started wrestling... Larry Sharp gave me that name, the spider. And he gave me that name for one reason. He said, cause when he first started wrestling, there was a guy that used to wrestle and he would wrestle part-time because he played professional baseball the other part-time, the other time. Oh, so he would wrestle under a mask and he was called the spider. Do either one of you know who that is? And I've confirmed like this I've with his brother. Um, yep, I've confirmed this with his brother who is quite a genius. Oh, I just gave you another hint. Oh, uh, talking about Randy Savage. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so when Larry saw me, he, <laughs> he saw me and he goes, you know what? He goes, you have the same body type as Randy Savage did when Randy Savage first started. Right. He played, you know, Randy played catcher for the, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. And during the off season, he wrestled under a hood and he called himself the spider. Oh wow! And it was funny because years later, when I've got to know, um, you know, Randy, and I got to know Lanny, is I said something to Lanny about it. And he goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Randy used to wrestle as a spider with Pretty Boy Larry Sharp." Right. So yeah. So, how did you like working with Vince Russo as well? Because I know he was uh, um, pretty much running uh, creative for a fair while back in uh, was it ninety eight, ninety nine, Carl? Yeah, yeah, from like, Vince, you know, late 97 to October 99. But he, he loved Russo, you guys, right? Yeah, he was a huge Headbanger fan. He, he liked the Headbangers. He wanted us to do more and stuff like that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, in, I want to say it was 99, I had, you know, went down with a, uh, a severe knee injury and stuff like yeah. that, that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Very hard for me to get over. Um so, yeah, it was um, – he was a huge – I never had a problem with Vince. You know, I, I, again, it, it's like the same 
thing with Cornette. Yeah. If you don't want to know his opinion, don't ask him because he's going to give you his opinion. Yeah. You know, not everybody's opinions are the same. That's what, you know, everybody's opinion's different. It's an opinion. I, I, think, that's a, I think that's someone uh, like Vince Russo would be a valuable person to be telling it how it is, especially in something like his position. Absolutely. These, Absolutely. Days, these days from what, from what I know, again, I'm not in the WWE. I've never been employed by the WWE. So anyone listening to this, you know, I can't speak for it. But everyone, <laughs> from what we hear on the internet and see and everything, like everyone in the WWE now just seems to be a yes man, even creative. And they're willing to do so many stupid ideas and just run with it because, you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But it just feels like back then, you know, you had people like Vince Russo working creative and they're willing to tell you how it is. And I think that's yeah. right. Push and Vince pushed the envelope. I mean, he really, I mean, there'll never be another attitude error ever again. No, um, Sorry, you know, because, could you imagine today, you know, oh my God, even you like do anything, even the right, <laughs> the, the, you guys remember the group, the right to censor. Yeah. Imagine amazing. that group today. Uh, every group <laughs> ever. It would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Every group now. <laughs> so, I mean, Vince was, was he was, a, he was, a, I think he was a great writer. I mean, he, he came up with stuff that was just, you know, it was real life with a twist. You yeah. know, and, and stuff like that. So he was way ahead of his time, I, I want to think. No, he he gets a bad rap. I've always said it. And I know that there's a couple of guys that watch this show that uh, come into the bottle shop I work at who uh, don't like Vince Russo, but they just maybe they just don't understand. Like, this guy well, did a, a pretty fucking good job as far as I'm concerned. So, so my he question to them would be, my question to them would be, did they enjoy the Attitude Error? Mm-hmm. And if they said yes then say, how can you dislike Vince Russo? Exactly. He was the attitude error. Yeah. He came up with it. I mean, you know, he didn't come up with the, the, the names or anything else, but he came up with the push in the envelope, the storylines and stuff like that. So if you liked and enjoyed the attitude error, you kind of have like to, you know, semi-like Vince Russo because he, he was a big part of it. Yeah, and I always liked the way that like he seemed to m- make sure everyone had something that they were doing and that there was never a reason to say, oh, creative doesn't have anything for you. He always right. came up with something for you know, any, anyone and everyone on that roster from top to bottom. They always had a little bit of direction. Now, when I think, now, when I think Vince went to WCW, I think he uh, drank a little bit too much of that Kool-Aid and, and, and put himself too much in the spotlight in WCW. So yeah. I don't know if that was his doing or Bischoff's doing or, or what. I just but, don't think he had know. the supporting cast he needed over there that he had in, yeah. in, 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 in WWF. But um, I wanted to ask you, how did you uh, injure your knee in 1999? Um, it, was, it was in a match. It was uh, against D'Lo and, and Mark Henry. And yeah. uh, Mark Henry, uh, he has the biggest forearms I've ever seen in my life. They're probably the size of a normal person's calf. Um, his arms, his forearms are so big and he hit me like right on top of the head as I was ducking a clothesline and it knocked me out. And oh, when it knocked me out, it looked like Chaz described it. It looked like, uh, you know, you have one of the puppets on the string. It looked like somebody just cut the oh, strings shit. and I just went straight down and I oh. dislocated my kneecap and or I dislocated my knee. And, um, I went to the back. I finished out the match cause it was on live TV. It was on Monday night raw. Um, and then when I got to the back, we had a doctor back there. He, you know, realigned it and put it back in. And I wrestled probably another maybe two months um, like that. And then just one day, 
Uh, I was walking across the mat. I believe it was in Madison Square Garden against Too Cool, um, Chris and, and Scott. And I heard a, a poppy noise. And then I just w- went, oh, my God. And I, I had trouble walking and stuff like that. And it was oh, my shit. ACL coming off. Okay. <clears throat> so when the doctor put back in the, the joint, he also folded over the meniscus. So my meniscus was in half. So they had to, they tried to surgically replace that and fix that by tacking that down. And they replaced my ACL months later, my ACL or my ACL was healed, but my meniscus died. So they had to go back in and cut some of that out. So it was, it was, it was my first surgery I ever had. And it was so in my head, even when I dislocated my elbows, I didn't have surgery for that. They just popped them back in and I was good to go. Um, so it was so, it was, it was so much of of a mind fuck for me. It was just unbelievable. I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't run the same way. I couldn't maneuver the same way and everything else. And it was, it was horrible. It took me so much longer to get back into the ring and stuff like that. And then when I finally got back into the ring, I was so out of shape and everything else. So it was just. It was it was the beginning of the end for me. So as soon as I had the knee surgery, I want to say another. I was in the company maybe another year and a half before before I left. Yeah, some something to that. Um, I just want to know, like, while you were uh, on the shelf, what did you think of the stories and gimmicks Chaz was being put in? Uh, well, I was glad that that they were actually using him for something, but I knew um, they were going to try to roll everything together. Um, Uh, you know, because when I was on the shelf, I was in contact with the office, of course. And Bruce Pritchard told me that, you know, when I came back, I was going to come back as the evil clown doink and Chaz was going to do his thing. So if you guys don't remember back then, um, Bruce would run down to the ring during the hardcore matches and steal something and then run back. So he was going to be that Billy Mays guy that the, you see the commercials with the, the sham wow and uh, you know, yeah. all, all this other stuff. So he was going to be that guy and he was going to try to sell all these stuff that he stole from the ring. And he was going to be my manager as uh, with doink. Right. So um, I guess right when I started coming back and everything else, it never really grabbed hold. Um, I don't know if Vince didn't like it or, or something happened. So instead of doing that, they came back with and brought the headbangers back together. Right. Um, and our first match back. You know who our first match back was with? Oh, God. I'm going to have a hard time doing this one. No. Okay. Yeah. You I've don't know what we uh, two? No, no. I, <laughs> I I've, been watching it, I've been watching it recently in chronological order, and I only just got past this bit. But I actually so was too then. <laughs> it, was, it was in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia Dome, and we wrestled against – Chris Jericho and Mr. Hughes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That was our match back. Yes. Yep. Um, a... We read something uh, yesterday um, about you. Was it true that there was an idea to bring you back as the person behind GTV because your name's Glenn? Well, that, yes. Yes. Cool. That, it, it was supposed to all be connected um, to With that. Um, okay. But I don't know. <laughs> you know, whatever happened with it or anything else. But we did use that GTV to, to expose that, that girl that Chaz was with when he was doing um, Beaver Cleveland. 
yes, how she said she was getting beat up and everything else, and he said he wasn't doing it. So GTV caught her putting on the makeup and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that was supposed to be being me behind it. I don't know if they ever came out and said it was. I don't know. No. Nah. I don't years. remember that far back either. <laughs> yeah, all these years. I've been saying it's I, mean, I, I always thought back then it was going to be Gold Dust because he was off TV, but it turns out he was signing with WCW. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was funny. Gold. Everybody thought it was it was Gold Dust too. Yeah, I you know when I was watching it and stuff, but uh, and it, it made sense that I guess if they switched it over to 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 me, being the fact that it it, it I guess freed Chaz from yeah. his Beaver stage <laughs> and everything else. So. Over to you, Jack. Uh, we haven't got much more to go, uh, Glenn. Uh, just a few more questions. So, right. when you two finally reunited, uh, you did an angle where you were dressing as opponents and par- uh, parodying, parodying them. And furthermore, you had a massive oversized breast cones, which always made um, always made Carl laugh. It's made me laugh too. Uh, I watched it last <laughs> night and I saw it. I hated um, them. <laughs> so what was the idea them. behind them? They were obnoxious as hell. So. The, the 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 parodies were our idea that we would go out and make fun of the other tag teams and stuff like that. That's why we went out the one time with the Jericho little fountain uh, hair and stuff yeah. like that. And we dressed up as the dummy boys and <laughs> the new age outlaws and stuff like that. You know, we thought it was funny. We thought it was it was good humor and stuff like that. And then Vince wanted us to change up. You know, he wanted us to evolve. Yeah. And that back then, that's when I guess Madonna showed up on one of the, the music things and she had the cones on yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And he was always a big thing with, 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 even when we did the flying nuns, he wanted us to wear bras and stuff the bras. He actually <laughs> grabbed, grabbed tablecloths and was stuffing our bras with the tablecloths because he oh, wanted yeah. them to be obnoxiously big. So he goes, Hey, he goes, Hey, I think it would be a really good transition for you guys to, to, to start wearing like the fuzzy cones. And we were like, this is, stupid it has nothing to do you know with the headbanger lifestyle or anything yeah. else like that it was just it's something that vince saw that he he liked i guess I, and I, I don't know we we did i didn't like it at all yeah. <laughs> i still don't i i didn't like the white face that that i that i came out with at the very end i yeah. didn't like the fact that, you know you know it's in one of the encyclopedias like that i hate it um <laughs> so it, you know, it was what it was. For, for me, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just really immature, so that's why I found it so entertaining. <laughs> it was funny. It, it was funny watching the guys in the back make them. You know, <laughs> taking the swirly <laughs> stuff and, and and the bras and going up to Vince, going, "Are these big enough?" <laughs> and stuff like that. So, you know, um, it, it, it's like it's it, it's funny because people go, well, "Why did you do it?" Because my boss told me to. That's why. Exactly. Yeah. Why? Why do we do anything at the workplace? Because your boss tells you to. Yeah. Exactly. My yeah. boss told me, "Hey, wear cones." I was wearing cones. My boss <laughs> hey. told me to wear a big giant nun hat. I wore a big giant nun hat. Hell yeah! Hey, and you guys are working one of the coolest jobs you could ever have, I reckon. Absolutely, it was definitely a different way of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, a fun uh, little part here was uh, so around um. Around 99, 2000, uh, the tag division was seriously huge and hot at one stage there. I mean, it was consisted of some of my, some of my all-time favorite tag teams, you know, Edge and Christian, Holly's, Too Cool, APA, uh, TNA, Main Street Posse, New Age Outlaws, so forth, so on. We could go all day. Name Hardys. Everyone. Hardys. There's everyone. So many people. So many teams at one stage, man. 
Did you find that when the division got stacked, uh, you two were kind of forgotten about by the creative team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I would have loved to have been in that ladder match. That oh, man. Inside. I would have yeah. loved to have been, you know, a little bit more and done a little bit more and stuff like that. But I think, you know, like you're saying, there was an abundance oh, of insane. tag teams out there. And you only have so much TV time. Mm. Um, to split it up between all of them and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, my upset that we weren't used a little bit more, absolutely. I would have loved to have done more. Um, I still think that, that Headbangers today, when we went back in 2016, we could have, you know, helped the tag team division out some Big and stuff time. like that. And mm. I, I, think, I think it was going that way, but I don't know what happened. You know, yep. I, I don't know. You know, we went up there the, the first time and we thought for sure when we left Rhino and, and Heath in a bloody mess that they were never calling us again. <laughs> it took them 16 years to call us back the first time. And then they go <laughs> back there and bloodied up their future SmackDown tag team champs and, and everything else. And I was like, there's no way they're ever asking us to come back. And then they did. So I, I you know, I thought there was going to be more that comes – came out of that but you know it didn't uh, um grateful for the chance that we had to come back and everything else i think if if we were given an opportunity we we still have you know because again i wasn't wrestling for 10 years chaz wasn't wrestling for 10 years so we may be you know older in age wise but in bump wise we're you know in our early 40s yeah because you had that big gap there, so, so I mean, you didn't. Yeah. You don't have an extra ten years of bumps that's gonna that's make right. you slower, and you you probably still got a little bit left in the tank. It, it, it's it's funny because we st- we still go. You know, we both we live ten minutes apart from each other now. It's like four miles, um, and we do a lot of stuff down here in Florida and stuff like that. We have we've actually had a uh, a group. It's ARW uh, Atomic uh, Revolutionary Wrestling that wrestles once a month in in Cocoa, uh, Florida. And we go up every month for them. And, and they're one of the first ones that are actually having uh, live events, uh, even now with the pandemic and stuff like that. So they, they don't sell out the whole building because they're not allowed to, but they yeah. sell out as much as they're allowed. Yeah. You know, everybody has their mask on and, and stuff like that. But people are starving for that. They're starving for, you know, an outlet and stuff yeah. like that. And it's not the same when you watch, you know, SmackDown and Raw on TV. And no, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it in years. Neither. I can't tell you the last time I watched it. I've flipped by it and I've seen it. Same thing with um, AEW. You know, I've seen it, but I, I don't really watch it. I'm, you know, so busy with, with, with other things and stuff like that. And, you know, family, the wife, the kids, the dogs, the, you know, cutting of the grass. And, you know, we just moved yeah. into a new house. And, awesome. you know, there's, you know, there's, there's life after wrestling. And, and you know, right now it's, it's really good. So how is uh, life after wrestling looking? So what do you, what have you been doing with yourself uh, since then? So- um, I'm actually, I actually work in a, uh, I'm a general manager for a, a restaurant. It's a, a big chain uh, restaurant that uh, does really, really well. Awesome. Um, so it, it's, it's a, a very good. It's very lucrative. I want to, yeah, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't have, you know, any regrets or anything else like that. You know, I wish, you know, back when we were in WWF, we would have said, no, we were always the yes guys, you know, Hey, we need somebody to do this meet and greet. Okay. We'll do it. Hey, we need somebody. Okay. We'll do it. 
we need somebody to drive around the, the, the minis, the, 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 the mini Vaders, the mini Undertaker. You guys remember that? The, the yep. mini Mankind. We need somebody to drive them around. Okay, we'll do it. You know, we were always, yep. we were always the, hey, we'll do anything that, that you ask us. I wish, you know, we would have said no a little bit more because if you look at the people that said no, they had belts a lot more than we, we did. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, but other than that, you know, uh, you know, I we've never had a, a, an inch or a, like a, a itch to wrestle for WCW, you know, AEW, and, you know, WWE was home. You know, it's yeah. the only federation I've ever worked for. You know, even when we were doing jobs, I mean, you know, that's that's our home. I mean, that's that's the only place we ever worked. It's awesome, man. It's good to hear that you've got a home, especially somewhere like the WWE. That's the that's the uh, that's where you that's where you want to be. That's where everyone wants to be, man. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's it. Um, I, I, I I really wish that we would do like you know I I would love to do more like you know signings for them and, and stuff like that. I would love to be more involved with with today's you know talent and stuff like that because I think that you know like Hawk and Animal and you know the the Rock and Roll Express had so much knowledge to give. I would love to pass that on you know as yeah. much as i could or or, yeah. or we might just be the old farts that this is you know or pass way past our prime you know <laughs> i think i, I don't believe that for would, a second you, you guys would do well doing a signing at an access or something like that because you guys still have a big following uh everyone still remembers you guys so uh, if you have it a- was funny because a couple of years ago we were over in australia and stuff like that and we were in uh um we did a tour over there with um with the guys over there and it went really well and stuff like that. Awesome. So, How did you like our country? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. It was my first time ever there. And I held a koala bear, which is I'm really oh, amazing. Bro. Um, even awesome. I have no, it was, a koala bear. <laughs> it was so much fun. I, I, we wanted to come back. And, um, hey, so Adrian, if you're watching, bring us back, man. Shit. Um, <laughs> that's the promoter over there that, that does the, the, the big wrestling shows and stuff like that. Um, you know, we were over there with Brian Cage and X-Pop was with us and, you know, um, Joey Ryan was there, you know, it was one of his first tours that he did. I want to say back in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, every show that, that we did was sold out. It was, awesome. it was, it was, it was great. I, I mean, I love the country. The people were very nice and very polite and, and everything. So yeah, I loved it over there. Awesome, man. It's good stuff. Over to you, Carl. Right. Um, so I wanted to get back to um, like the tail end of your time in the WWF uh, in, you know, 2000. Uh, we mentioned being kind of forgotten about by the creative team. Did you two pitch ideas to creative at all and what that process was like? Um, because it seemed as 2000 rolled around, you two were kind of getting stuck on heat and metal uh, and jacked because uh, you feel that things were looking good for the hang headbangers future. And, you know, we guys actively trying to do something about that. It, it was weird because Chaz is very creative. He's very, um, he's, he's into that. Me, not so much. Um, he likes to do all that stuff. So he came up with so many different ideas um, for us 
and you know he kept coming up with them and stuff like that and then they would say no 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 we're not gonna do that and then later on he'd see it with somebody else yeah like um, christian with ddp right yes christian needed the self-help story. from ddp and that was mosh's idea for himself and they used it for someone else right ah. so there was there was quite a few of them that were like that um so that you know towards the end he, we just it, you know got tired of pitching ideas yeah. and seeing them go with somebody else that we just you know it was what it was and you know I guess they just I, – I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I, you know, still to this day, I don't have an answer. Um, you know, I don't know why they stopped using this. I don't know why we couldn't have fit in with, you know, the Hardys and the Dudleys and, you know, Chris, Christian and Edge and stuff like that. I, I think that mix would have been great. I think it would yeah. have been, you know, even – you know, I would have loved to have done more. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, at least be given the opportunity to be in one of those – extreme matches to show that you guys can do it just as much as these guys and you know maybe the headbangers names would be up next to the Dudleys and the Hardys and Edge and Christian and these TLC matches from over the years yeah we would have loved that we would absolutely love that I I felt like we were actually in in the line to go that way with those matches and stuff like that and it just it, it just never happened you guys would have been the perfect fit for it too yeah, it would have made yeah. so much sense. <laughs> I, lo- I love hitting people with shit. That's easy. <laughs> Especially well, yeah. tables, ladders, and chairs, man. At that yeah. time period, too, and no one's seen it yet. Like, oh. <laughs> and that match has become a cult hit, so. So, um, how did you, Glenn, how did you find out about um, the idea of splitting the headbangers in July of 2000? Um, and what were your hopes or ideas that you might have had for a potential singles run coming out of that? So the, the whole idea in 2000, the split up was uh, because I was still coming back from my knee surgery and stuff like that. And I, was, I was, wasn't in the best ring shape that I could be in. So, I mean, you know, it was the fact that I was going down to do something else. Um, I was going to um, Memphis to get back in the ring shape and stuff like that. Um, and I think like right after that is when they just said, you know, we're just going to go separate ways and stuff like that, which I, I mean, I get it. You know, they didn't have anything for Chaz. They tried the whole low down thing and, and it wasn't, you know, you know, it didn't come to anything. They tried to the be Cleavage thing. It didn't come to anything. And, yeah. you know, they just, it, you know, after a while you just run out of ideas and stuff like that. It just, you know, I, I wish it would have been different, but it wasn't, so. Um, how did you find out that you were being released? Uh, Bruce Pritchard called me. Yeah, I kinda, it, it was funny, too, because you kind of you kind of feel that it's, it's coming. Um, we were very, very close with Bruce. Bruce is an awesome guy. We were very close with Tom, too, Pritchard, um, who we also wrestled with in Smoky Mountain. Um, so Bruce called me up, and he's like, hey, listen, you know, we're just going to, you know, let you go and stuff like that. We just don't have anything and, and anything like that. You know, I wish we did, you know, Bruce has always been, you know, just a a great guy. You know, he was always, you know, one we could talk to and stuff like that. You know, he helped us actually get our, you know, because like I said, we were part-time when we first started, he actually helped us get our full-time contract. 
Um, but when we found out that they were doing merchandise of us and that wasn't in the part-time deal. So we talked to them and we were like, Hey, just get that merchandise rolled into this part-time contract. Cause they paid for everything in our part-time contract. And he's like, well, well, you know, maybe we'll sign you to, to a full-time, you know, contract. So, you know, Bruce was very, he's, you know, still, you know, when I see him in signings and stuff like that, he's just a great guy, you know, and I'm glad it came from him and, and, and nobody else. That's cool, man. Um, Jack, I but it does feel sorry, but it does feel like your world's coming to a, to a, a an abrupt end. Yeah. yeah I can know, imagine. When you find out that, yeah. That, Stomach that, would sink. You know, that's yeah. being taken. Absolutely. Yeah. What am I going to do now? Yeah. That's kind of where you go. Oh, I guess that's where we're headed with the next question, Jack. I know the following two questions have already been answered though, that you've got there, Jack. So, yeah. Uh, so, what got you and Mosh back together in 2011? And um, wait, was that sort of uh, the question sort of been, no, so the no, question no, sort of been that, answered? Was... Yeah, that's been answered. But um, like the one about uh, plans after being released. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. So what, what, got you and Mosh, <laughs> what got you and Mosh back together in 2011? In t- 2011, what happened was is I came down to Florida on a family vacation with my family. And he's already lived down here. And he was having his, I don't know, I guess it was 40th. <laughs> birthday um and it was supposed to be a <laughs> surprise party so um you know his wife contacted me i drove all the way from orlando all the way to west palm um for his surprise party and again i'm two 315 pounds and i'm sitting there and i got a beer in this hand and a beer in this hand and a plate of food in front of me and, and, and everything else you know he just we, we were taking pictures together and stuff like that and he's like listen he goes why don't you just move down here and, you know, get back in the ring and we'll get back in the shape. And, you know, and I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, that's behind me now and, and everything else. And, you know, that whole three hour drive back to Orlando is that I started thinking and I was like, you know what, the way the headbangers left, it shouldn't have been like that. Absolutely. So I came back and I talked to my wife and everything else. And now mind you, we have two small children that were under the age of six and four. And I had nine, nine dogs. Amazing. Nine, <laughs> wait, not even dogs, Doverman pinchers. That's a lot of poo and, to clean up. Yeah, that is. Seven of them were puppies. <laughs> so we just had the litter and everything else. So I came back. I was actually a supervisor for uh, Domino's Pizza at the time. And what happened was is I came back and I mean, I was making great money. I was, we were living fine. Um, you know, it's amazing how much money you can make, you know, flipping pizza and making pizza and stuff like that. It's a big deal. Um, so mm-hmm. I came back and, you know, we talked about it and we packed up our cars. We had no place to live, no jobs, no nothing. We wow. packed up nine dogs, two kids, and we got, came down here and a hamster that didn't make it out of the car. Oh, it no. died in the car. It stunk. I had to sell the car. Uh, <laughs> so, so we moved down into Tampa and we were living there. We were living in a hotel, um, you know, trying to find a place to live, trying to, you know, find jobs and stuff to do and everything else. And then Chaz is going, Hey, come over on Sunday. We'll, you know, Sunday, fun day. Ha ha ha. We'll hang out and everything else. So I drive from Tampa all the way across the state to where he is, four hours, Shit. and then 
four hours back. And then when I get back, he's like, so how was your drive back? I said, it sucked ass. That's how it was. He goes, why don't you just move over here? He goes, we'll be closer. He goes, we can get back in the ring. He goes, there's a gym over here called UFIT Health Clubs that you can go to. It's a lot like Planet Fitness. Um, it's $10, $20. You can go there, get back in shape, and then we can get back together and we can start again. So that's what I did is I went to this gym two times a day, morning and afternoon, did cardio. I lost 110 pounds. Wow. At one time, I was 210 pounds. And I just looked like a body with a light bulb on top. And then just, I looked sick. I looked like I had cancer. <laughs> so I gained some weight back and I got up to about 230. So like 230, 240-ish. That's what my wrestling weight was when I left, you know, the Federation. Mm-hmm. And then we just started wrestling again and, and everything else. And it was, it was fun. It was, you know, and then to make a story full circle, I, I started getting recognized in the gym as I was losing the weight because I was unrecognizable when I was 315 pounds. And one of the guys at the front desk said, man, you're here all this, all this time. You're here like six hours a day. He goes, why don't you just get a freaking job here, man? So I poked <laughs> my head in the office and, you know, I started working at UFIT Health Clubs as a uh, assistant general manager. And then within three months, I had my own club. And wow. three months after that, I had my wife get a job there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she still works there to this day. So, yeah, it was kind of kind of full tuition. I was there, you know, as a GM for UFIT Health Clubs for about five years. It just, it, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was making enough money as um worth so that's why i went over back into the restaurant business and stuff like that so right that's that's how it all happened and you know then we showed up on ring of honor i'm sure that's one of your guys questions next um <laughs> uh just forget that down there no oh, you didn't so you, no but i read about so, that earlier so that's a it's a uh, i'll give you a fast funny story so Cornette didn't like the hoods when we were the spiders but then when he was in Ring of Honor and brought us in the Ring of Honor, he put us under hoods and called us the Guardians of Truth. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was kind of a full circle. We're like, Jimmy, I thought you didn't like hoods. He goes, yeah, but the people of Ring of Honor don't like ex-WWE people either. <laughs> right. So that's why we did the hoods and stuff like that for a while. Um, the next thing I wanted to bring up before we get to the tail end here. Oh, well, we're at the tail end, but. Um, Holy the, crap. I was going to say, we're not at the tail end yet. <laughs> we, we pretty much are. Um, I, I just want to say, I found uh, the WWE's criticism of you both after you left to be infuriating as a fan. And I quote a Wikipedia uh, section here in a 2007 article in WWE magazine, they said, um, that the article criticized wrestlers who are considered not worthy of winning a belt they held. The headbangers were included in this article for the supposed poor tag team championship reign. The article suggested that the team had the titles by default since it was between the errors of the smoking guns and the new age outlaws. Uh, and furthermore, in WWE's raw 15th anniversary magazine, it also lists 15 superstars who overstayed their welcome in the company and had the headbangers at number two, only behind Scott Steiner. This is bullshit as far as I'm concerned. I don't know who had a hard on to knock you guys so much uh, on their website and in their magazine, but to me as a fan, this 
really pissed me off because, you know, they had the, they had the LOD, they had the British Bulldog and Owen in the match. If they didn't think that you guys were worthy of having the belts, then why they give you the belts for that's a lie. They're lying. Right. I just, I'm, I did not like that whatsoever. Well, you know, the, the, the magazine is just one person's opinion. It's not the opinion coming from Vince, you know, or anything yeah. else. Could you imagine if Vince had to read all the articles and approve everything? Oh, I'm sure and he does like yeah. he, he would never have enough time in the day to, to, to do anything. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe that was just that guy's opinion. I, I don't know. Well, let's um, find out who that guy is because I want to have a, 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 I want to write a strongly <laughs> written letter to him. <laughs> Like, yeah, they could have gave they could have <laughs> gave the belts to anybody during that time, and you know, LOD was in the match. The Godwins were in yeah. the match. You know, Davy Boy and Owen were in that match. They could have gave it to anybody. Um, and you had so, the belt for you know, a month, so it's not like you had a chance to even ruin the reign because you had hey, it for but, like but, four weeks. But here's the, here's the funny part. But the team that had it after us had a shorter reign than us because it was one day <laughs> the godwins won the belt from us on the pay-per-view and then went the next day to monday night raw wrestled against lod and lost the tag belts the next day it's so funny how people forget about little things like that yeah <laughs> but then again after after we were wwf tag team champs i was a hardcore champ they put the belt on yeah. me for that, even though it was 37 seconds. They still thought enough of me to put a belt on. And yeah. we all, were also NWA tag team champs that we exactly. beat Rock and Roll Express for. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's just one person's opinion. Um, I don't put much behind it. Everybody has opinions. Um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but like, let's be honest, that guy's a fuckhead. <laughs> whoever, whoever wrote okay. that, he, yeah, he's, he's a, a fuckhead, fuckhead okay? <laughs> Hey, whoever wrote that article, you fuckhead. (laughs) Over to you, Jack. Um, So, after 16 years, actually, no, it's already been, it's already been answered. It's down to you, Carl. No, but like, I wanted to, I wanted to know about, you know, 16 years, you two finally got to reunite in WWE and perform in front of a big crowd so that your kids could see you guys perform and do what you did back in the day. I remember you guys in a Vince Russo interview talking about how you wanted this, but you kept getting knocked back. How did you end up finally getting the opportunity to do that? It was, it was weird because um, Road Dog reached out to Chaz and said, Hey guys, what are you, what are you guys doing Tuesday? I guess this was like Wednesday or something like that. And of course, Chaz thought it was a joke and everything else. Thought somebody was ribbing him. He goes, yeah, nothing. Why? He goes, hey, because we want to bring you in uh, uh, Tuesday. It was supposed to be the Tuesday before we got there, um, and it was in Connecticut. But um, it got pushed back due to uh, the, the laws in Connecticut with talent and stuff like that or whatever. So we thought it was a rib. We thought it was a complete joke. Yeah. And um, it was somebody's idea to, you know, hey, bring in the headbangers. Um, you know, they're still out there wrestling. They're still in shape. And they still can go. So let's bring them in and, and, you know, do this and stuff like that. And it was all, you know, from what Jesse told us, it was all approved through Vince and everything else. So it's not like there's, you know, it's not like Vince hates us or there's any animosity Hmm. for us or anything else. It's just, you know, when the time was right, it was, it was right to come back. And yes, we reached out before trying to, 
know, cause we do live in South Florida trying to, you know, do stuff at the, um, at the performance center and stuff like that. And, you know, either the emails didn't get read or, or, or Hunter didn't say no, not at this time or, or stuff like that. And, you know, in this business, you learn to never say never, uh, you know, I'm never going to say that you won't see us again, you know, in, in a ring or, or doing something with, with WWE. I would love to, I would, you know, cause like I said, that's home for me. Yeah. Um, that's home for both of us. Um, so, I, I mean, I would love to do something, whether it's like, even like a, a guest appearance at the, at the, the performance center for training or, or anything like that. I mean, it would be fun. Um, but you never know. It, you know, sometimes it's in the car, sometimes it's not. Well, I mean, you did train the big show, so, I mean, sure. Right, look how well that worked out. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny because after the big show was at the Monster Factory for about a month and a half, maybe a month, month and a half, he went down to the, the power plant down in WCW. Yeah. So that's where he gives most of his credit for his training from, which, you know, the majority of his training came from there. But, you know, you can't deny where you originally started. You know, you should never deny where you started. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I wanted to know if you had any funny stories of dealing with bad customers in the restaurant business. Every day. <laughs> Amazing. Every day. There, there's some, uh, there's some, you know, when, when they're placing orders or stuff like that and they have the kid in their hand and the kid's crying and they're talking to people in the background and they're trying to order their food or something like that. Or when they give a credit card number, it's 7700-4607. I'm going to go, O is a letter of the alphabet. It's not a fucking number. <laughs> and that happens every day every day um but no it, it it's it's a little bit different now um this time around in the restaurant business it's you know it, you know my restaurant does you know a lot in a week um probably between 35 and 40 thousand dollars a week um so, and it's mostly, it's takeout and delivery. So, yeah, um, it's, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get it every day. Sometimes I chuckle at it. You can't understand people on the phone. I am in South Florida, so not a lot of people speak English. Um, and they're extremely hard to understand on the phone and stuff like that. And it's just, sometimes it, it gets nerve wracking to, to, to talk to some people on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we get to our final segment, which is called five second frenzy, I have one, uh, one last question here for you today, Thrasher. Uh, what would your ideal scenario be for the headbangers to have their final tag match or final run in wrestling? Um, it's funny because, uh, I would love to do like a final, um, I don't know who the match would be with, um, you know, I always thought we'd have one last run in, in WWE and stuff like that. But if that doesn't happen, maybe we can uh, um, do like a, a, a world tour like the bands do and stuff like that. I think that's appropriate for that. Well, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, a, yeah, it goes together. Um, but, um, you know, everybody always talks about the, you know, the Hall of Fame and, and stuff like that and everything else. And, you know, it, it, it's funny. It, I, I don't see it like other people see it, but 
if that would ever happen, it would be the greatest, I guess, ending for everything. Um, it would be an honor uh, to, to even be, you know, thought of, you know, when everybody says, oh, the Headbangers 2021 Hall of Fame. You know, everybody thought we were going last year because it was in Tampa. Um, but we, we all saw what happened to WrestleMania last year. Um, but, you know, again, I never say never. Um, you know, I just, I, I just, you know, I, I think we're the most underrated and most underappreciated tag team that I can remember. Yeah. Um, because I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, and I'll name it. I don't think 3D or, you know, the Dudley boys tag team moves are better than ours. I don't think they gel better than us. Um, you know, I think that we had the most innervated tag team moves, you know, that, that anybody had. So, yeah. you know, I, I hate the fact that we're not always, you know, I always see it on Facebook all the time that, you know, people say the greatest tag teams and it's always, you know, LOD, the Dudleys, you know, Jeff and Matt and, you know, all these other names and we're not even in under other. And it's yeah. just like, you know, how, you know, regardless of the accolades and the belts and stuff like that, whatever happened to ring work, you know, I don't think any of those tag teams could, you know, could outwork us or anything else. I think that we were a, the best natural tag team together. We weren't two guys that were thrown together, you know, you know, me and Chaz, we still talk and see each other. We talk almost every day. So, yeah. you know, we're still as close, if not closer today as we were back then. Um, yeah. I, I just wish we were, you know, even in the, the, the picture when, when people talk like that. But yeah. people look too much at the belts, the props, and stuff like that. They don't look at the ring work and, you know, they, they look at finishers and they don't look at, you know, why do people remember, you know, the Dudley's finish? Because they were multiple tag team champions. Why don't they think of the Headbangers finish? Because we weren't. Yeah. You know, we, we held the, the WWF tag belts once, the NWA tag team belts once. And, and, you know, that's what they remember. They don't remember how good that finish is and how hard and the timing and, and everything else it is together. Yeah, I agree, man. I love the stage dive. And uh, as far as I'm concerned and Jack's concerned, the Headbangers uh, Hall of Fame is in our hearts, Glenn. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys will no doubt get the Hall of Fame one day. Let's, uh, it's just a matter of when, not if. They will. It'll get well, around to you. I hope so. I should I hope, hope so. so. <laughs> um, so, Glenn, uh, before we go, this is a, a little segment called Five Second Frenzy where... I just have like a few questions just to get to know you outside of, you know, mostly outside of wrestling. Um, and you've got five seconds to answer each question. It's quick fire. Okay. But as with usual, when we ask these questions to wrestlers, they have to take longer than five seconds to answer them, which is okay. It's okay, okay. if you break the rule. Okay. Um, so first question, your favorite match that you ever had? WrestleMania 13 and winning the tag team belts. Awesome. Obvious question. Uh, favorite wrestler? Uh, favorite, favorite wrestler of all time, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage. Brilliant. Sick. Your favorite opponent or p opponents? Uh, favorite opponents, uh, New Age Outlaws or the Godwins and LOD. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, your favorite food? 
My favorite food, uh, steak. Great. Me too. Me too. Uh, your favorite alcoholic beverage. It's funny, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I just I stopped drinking altogether for I haven't drank in years, years. And then Chaz just uh, um, I, I like coconut water and Tito's vodka. Ooh, Very uh, nice. Nice choice. <laughs> uh, your favorite film. My favorite film, Billy Madison. Very good. Huge Adam Sandler fan. Me too. Uh, your favorite TV show? My favorite TV show. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, football, HGTV. I'm very old now, so I watch that HGTV home renovation stuff. And <laughs> things no, like I find that. that show um, so interesting. Yeah. So. It's funny when you're younger, <laughs> you don't really care about that stuff. When you get older, you're like, oh, this is, this is fantastic stuff. It yeah, exactly. Right. I can fix that. I yeah. can just watch HGTV and I can do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, your favorite musical artist? Uh, favorite musical artist, I'd have to say, um, God, old school stuff. It would probably be um, Miley Cyrus. No. Um, <laughs> There's no way. Uh, that's a lie. <laughs> um, you know, back in the day, I loved listening to Manson. Um, you know, um, Guns N' Roses, yeah. uh, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, you know, I, I wish I listened to them more, um, but I'd have to say all those. Yeah, no, I'm, driving you, I'm driving with you, man. I'm driving with you, a little bit heavy metal. Yeah. yeah, Guns N' Roses is my favorite. The old stuff is the best stuff. It and is. here's the thing. If it wasn't for the old style of heavy metal, there would be no rap music. Think about it. If you take heavy metal and slow it down just a little bit, it's rap. Just change yeah. the beat. I get you. Uh, two more. Uh, what is your favorite female body part? Boobies. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, I'm what a is your... man. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost him again. Oh, <laughs> wait, oh, oh shit. Wait. That's fantastic. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. If she wants us to and, try and, and uh, black that out. And I you. always believe what God can't give you a good doctor can. <laughs> if she wants us to put up a censored picture uh when that happens in the show then we can do that um, we can just put a picture of and lastly your favorite curse word ah uh, fuck excellent Sick. great I many people said that me too fuck yeah fuck man fuck. <laughs> well uh fuck. Russia, glenn ruth we want to thank you for your time here tonight i know we've gone a little longer than i had uh, asked for but we had so much fun with you tonight really appreciate it and me and jack i, I can speak for him as well we you know we really love the headbangers and as we said your Hall of Fame is in our hearts and I hope you're very Thank proud you. of everything that you did in the wrestling business and, and what's to come. I'm sure there's going to be some more great moments for you to come. Oh, yeah. Only time will tell. We'll see. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. No Thank worries. You and uh, ladies and don't gentlemen, forget. this is... Sorry, Glenn. Don't forget. Don't let your meatloaf, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. And uh, this was the podcast here in conjunction with the WCW Network. I am your host, California Ferry, alongside our new friend, Glenn Ruth, also known as Headbanger Thrasher. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, hopefully our viewers will uh, 
would be more in tune than she has. And uh, we will see you next time. (laughs) Thank you. See you guys.